This is the one and only IT in the D show broadcasting live from our quarantined homes. This is your host, Bob Waltonspiel. It's going to be weird to do this. I'll tell you what. Hanging out with producer Randy Walker. Our guest this week is one of our favorite people of all time, Mr. Caston Thomas. We're going to be talking data security. We're going to be talking um, a lot of good things right now in the medical device field. And all, all the, the great thing about Caston is every time I meet with him for breakfast, we, he always has something new that he found. So uh, we're going to be diving into that. Um, but do us a favor. Uh, give us a like on the socials and find us online, itinthed.com, and give us a subscribe everywhere, find podcasts. Or sold. I told you this is going to be weird, Randy. I can't. It is. That, uh, but speaking of that, I want to make this a thing for the rest of the time we do this show. Um, if, if you're holding an a iced tea or a water or a pop or a shot or a beer or whatever, um, just toast to uh, Dave the Geek Phillips. Uh, cheers, brother. We miss you. Cheers. Uh, drinking that aqua beat you got me, Randy. <laughs> That's horrible stuff. <laughs> um, so, hey, two huge announcements, at least for me. I don't know about for you. Um, we're going to bring back the IT and the D meetups. We're going to get into the whole mask mandate in a minute. But um, third Thursday in June, 5 o'clock, we're going to be at Nancy Whiskey's down in Corktown, Detroit. Um, you know, no salespeople, no business cards, no BS, no speakers, no sponsors, just uh, hanging out with IT folks, doing what we do best. We haven't done these in about a year and a half, and uh, I'm, I'm uh, chomping at the bit to get out there. And uh, I hope uh, you all are too. So yeah, look forward, look for it on the meetup calendars. Uh, we're gonna send it out via the socials. But yeah, I believe the third Thursday uh, in June. I don't know which date that is, but we'll be at Nancy Whiskey's. Uh, I believe um, that is June seventeenth. June seventeenth. Done. Put it in the books. Um, and I assume that you already have your chair at the end of the bar reserved. We'll be on the patio. We still want to. We still want to be. Uh, we still want to. You know respect everybody's uh you know not a, not everybody's ready to get out yet so we'll be we'll be out in the back patio they got a huge back patio so there should be plenty of room for all of us um another big announcement just came out today a lot of people missed a couple of weeks ago going to motor city comic-con well guess what there's going to be a 2021 motor city comic-con october 16th and 17th um looks like it's going to be at the same place same time uh no guests yet but i am uh that, that's my Super Bowl. Um, that's kind of where, you know, Dave and I initially uh, hung out, you know, the, for the first time. And uh, that's some of the best memories of my life are at the Motor City Comic Con. So I'm super uh, excited that that's going to come back to uh, the Novi Expo Center, I believe it's called. I don't know what, didn't they rename it? It's a car dealership place, whatever. Um, yeah, it's not suburban. suburban. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I'm super, super excited uh, to get on with that. So, Speaking of which, had my uh, first weekend maskless uh, out in public since this whole thing started. Um, I'd love, I, I know, Cassie, we always have uh, some great conversations about this stuff, but the mandate came out. If you are vaccinated, um, you, can, uh, you can go out in public now without a mask. I saw my first maskless bartender since the pandemic started, which was strange. Like, Yeah, I know. <laughs> she was new and I didn't know what she looked like. I'm like, oh, that's what you look like. What's your uh, now? Here's my take on it. What's your thoughts? Mine is, uh, you know, the honor system is a strange thing, and I don't know if this is going to help or prevent people from getting vaccinated. Now, basically, what they're going at is, hey, you know, I can go to the bar. I they're going to trust me to say that I'm vaccinated. I can just go out, and I don't need to get vaccinated. 
Um, you know, is this gonna is this gonna hinder people from going out that haven't gotten it done yet? I, I, what's your take? I stopped making predictions on this about a year ago. <laughs> Every time I I wake up, it's something new, something different, something unexpected. So, man, I don't. Um, I uh, okay. I'll, I'll guess. I I think you'll end up having uh, different kinds of establishments. Back, you know, it'd be like the old days, smoking sections, non-smoking sections, or smoking facilities and non-smoking facilities. And people will tend to gravitate to those areas where they're comfortable, if you will. Some with masks, some with not, some with distancing, maybe some with not. Um, I guess we'll just have to see. And yeah, it's going to be just oh, as effective ahead. as the smoking sections because, you know, the barrier you set up between them is just as good at separating smoke as it is from whatever else is in the area. Well, that's, it's good, like smoking on a plane. Right. Um, and that, and that's going to be the thing too. It, it's uh, the smoking ban killed the dive bar. And I think now this maskless thing is going to bring the dive bar back. Cause every, you know, there, I was listening to the radio this morning, people were calling in. They're like, yeah, the dive bars packed to the gills. No one had masks. Then you talk to people that like went to Somerset and like everyone still was wearing them. Um, you know, it, it's still very much a thing. Um, so it's just, it's going to be interesting how this all pans out, but it's going to be nice to, uh, to, to get out and, uh, out and about and see, there's a lot of people, I don't know what they look like, like my physical therapist. <laughs> I have no idea what, what both of them look like. Um, there's bartenders at new places. We've went to restaurants that I have no idea what they look like. I mean, this is going to be like, this, like this weird coming out party, like, Hey, no one's going to know who you are. Um, Cassie, when we had breakfast last week, I saw my neighbor and I'm like yelling, what are you doing? And he, he looks at me and I have to like pull my mask down because I'm walking in the street and he's like, oh, you know, it's like nobody knows who anybody is. So like, I think some people actually like the anonymity. I, I was reading a couple of things where people are like, you know, I kind of like this whole like not, people not knowing what, you know, who was who and walking around and, but you know. It'll be nice. Well, to let's let's not this. forget that you're what 50, 60, 70 pounds lighter. So that might be contributing to it for you too. No, I put it back on. I'm not moving as much. Like and I started eating like crap. So oh. I gotta go, I gotta go back on it. Yeah, I know. I'm on to eight days of sugar free. So except for uh my I drank my fair share in Baron Jaeger on Friday night. So I made up for it during the week. There's um, no sugar in that. No, 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 zero <laughs> sugar. So I got to hop into a story real quick, and then we'll get into some stories of the week. Um, I had one of the funniest Saturdays I've had in a very, very, very long time. Um, I'm expecting for a non-eventful Saturday, drinking coffee, watching soccer on TV, right? It's pretty pretty chill. You know, kids are all either spending the night with friends or they're gone, and it's quiet, pretty quiet in the house. And I get a text going, keep it classy. And I go, from someone that I don't talk to that often. You know, I just started, you know, rekindling our friendship, and I go, what the hell did I do? Well, here comes a picture. And it's a picture from the, of basically a two, how do I put this, uh, two marital aids um, about yay long uh, made of glass um, that were on the shelf next to a plate that's a souvenir from Mexico. And she said, I am at the Flint Goodwill and these right now are on the shelf. And this became my entertainment for Saturday. I, the first thing I knew is I said, buy them. She says no. And then I said, no, you need to. This is a thing. I don't care if we like put them in people's houses at parties, but we need to buy them. Finally, I call her and I go, I swear to God, 
I will hate you for the rest of my life if you don't buy these things right now. She goes, I'm not touching them. I go, I get that. Go get a T-shirt that are like $2, (laughs) and you can wrap it in a T-shirt. Like, right? So now the jokes start coming out. Are these things BOGO? Why is it in the dishes aisle? I text it to my wife, and that's the first thing she says is, next to the dishes? (laughs) Of course, I said, hey, can I post this on Facebook? And just keep your name out of it. I promise I, you know, I'll never say it was you that were there. Not like you bought them, but just, you know, and I, just to be safe. The comments, gold. Again, people are like, are those Waterford crystals? Those would make great nunchucks. Are those BOGO? I mean, because it had a price tag on it. So now my mind is racing, going, like, I'm always about the production. How did it get there? So now you, someone had to, look, like, go through their house and clean up stuff. Unless grandma died. And I don't want to think about that. Um but then they had to say, hey, let's donate these to Goodwill. Maybe thought they were pitcher stirs or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> then someone had to accept them at the Goodwill, then appraise them, and then put a price tag on it, and then put it on the shelf. So Somebody in that chain had to know what they were doing. They just had to. There, I, 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 I fear that there was like the 78-year-old retired lady that took them in and like goes, oh, these are nice crystals, and put them on the shelf and didn't know better. Or it's like the 24-year-old intern, you know, doing just that like snickered the whole time going, oh, my God, I can't believe these came in. I need to put them on the shelf. Because here's the thing. If you've gone to Goodwill, like they don't – they sell everything. Like there's men's tidy whities on the shelf. Like it's not – like I know. Um, and they probably figured they'd put them through the dishwasher and they'll put them on the shelf. So anyway, that was my Saturday. I'm actually still, comments are still trickling in on that thing. Um, you know, it could become something like that gnome that used to travel everywhere. I tell you what, like, you know, take a picture, you're, you know, hold it up at this bar and then go to the rooftop restaurant and then you're at the DEMF or something. It's called movement now, whatever. Back to the Goodwill. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's the, the new, the new, uh, the talking conch. I know we had to have those at parties at my house. Um, everyone was yelling so much. We had the the Crystal Skull vodka. Maybe this becomes the new talking conch. So I might be I might be taking a trip to Flint this weekend. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> we'll see. So big news all week. At least from it was actually serious. Then it became a joke. Um, the the pipeline uh, ransomware oh, bit down on the East Coast. So now you know bags of gas has been the the running joke. You know um, I think people were being funny when they were doing the laundry tubs, but people were seriously like putting gas in anything they could possibly put into. Then you start reading about this thing and it's, it's just plain good old ransomware. And here's this company. What was it? Colonial pipeline, Randy? Yeah. Colonial. Colonial pipeline. They get hit. It's 5 million bucks to turn the gas back on or to turn their computers back on. They pay it. But then at the end of the day, they still have to uh, revert back. What? Two days of storage. Because the decryption tool was so slow, it was faster to restore their backups than to use the decryption tool that the ransomware makers provided. Which, in my case, wouldn't it be just not pay the $5 million and you can just go back anyway? Well, you didn't know the decryption tool was slow until you bought it. Oh, See, now this is a, I, I, this is this was a story I wanted to talk about with the most casting because you know we all talk about protecting networks and, and, and being safe and all that good stuff. Um, we also, you know, and, and I think this sets a horrible precedent paying that ransom. Um, but is, is it gotten to the point where companies are just like, F it, we have cyber insurance now and just pay whatever and let's get back to normal? 
I mean, we got like a hundred things to unravel this, but I'm just, I'm dying to get your take on it. Well, number one, I'm surprised they went public that they actually paid for it. Uh, that seems a bit strange to me. Um, you know, a lot of companies pay for it, but they just don't admit it. Um, well, it's a, it's a, it's a giant green flag going, please hack us some more, not just them, but hack everyone more. Absolutely. But, uh, the statistics have been released. The number of companies that are estimated to pay it, um, uh, the number of companies that are able to recover without uh, the tool from backup. You know, the hackers started getting smart and they were using the, uh, the facility of ransomware as a service. And that's when I said, man, it, it's all over. Uh, the danger of that. Now, is this just... Is this just like Skippy in accounting clicked a malware link and got access and they basically just shut the thing down? I mean, is it that simple or was this a coordinated, when you said, you know, coordinated ransom attack, what, what do you, you know, what do you mean by that? Well, the, the ransomware as a service is I can have a, an enemy or, you know, what I was, what I was advising schools and, and cities where, you know, you've got an open forum, everything's posted your city council meetings and sometimes even your uh, zoning commissions are are publicly available. So you can create a great ransomware uh, phishing attack just by circulating, hey, here are my comments on last night's zoning meeting. Right. Uh, everybody's going to open it. If it's a Word document or a PDF, they're going to open it. So there's a great deal of susceptibility there, uh, particularly for our public institutions or uh, organizations that have a lot of information openly published. So that's that's the main concern. So it may be that in a very targeted phishing uh, attack, there could be someone in PR, as an example, uh, who responded to something or opened a document that, that looked like it was from the latest shareholders meeting or something like that. It's when you get those very targeted some of the very sophisticated hackers have uh, uh, realized, hey, I'll just follow that list of here are the things that you can do to detect phishing attack. I check the list, send it. It has no clues that it's uh, uh, susceptible or suspect, if you will. So I know yeah, if you uh, if you listen really close cl at, towards the towards the five o'clock bell hour, you can hear the phone ringing from every cybersecurity salesperson on the entire east of the Mississippi, trying to sell them, um, you name it. If you had had our stuff. <laughs> if you had only, yeah. yeah. I can't imagine. I would pay good money to see that guy's link, the president's LinkedIn inbox. <laughs> We're a leading provider of cybersecurity solutions, and we would have helped you not pay that, you know, for only a million dollars, you would have saved five million. You know, they're, they're already posturing. And you know what, what they don't realize is they get blacklisted immediately. I mean, just the whole domain goes goes X for that company when they send that kind of stuff. So being in my position for as long as I've been in on the sales side, and you're kind of on the sales side too, a little bit more on the you know consulting, but um, that's the one thing I always stayed away from. If so-and-so went down or so-and-so got hacked that I would never call them. Or like, you know, no. my boss would be like, Bobby, you got to get in there. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like that's no, no. Yeah, the time to get in was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. You know, and right now they're not going to take the first cold call and go, why, yes, you need to fix my stuff. No. Yeah. It's all about trust. 
and if somebody's calling in, you know, that's that's the last guy you trust. You go to the people who've been to the meetings, been to the councils, have been working with you for years, or somebody's referred you. That's the only way in. I mean, cold calling does not work. Well, and the worst part about this thing, it's gas. It's not like there's a shortage of, like, tissue paper or corn chips. You know well, what I, I mean? went out and bought all the toilet paper I could because of this thing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you still have some left? No, and then everyone's buying it. There was like, um, shelf life's three to six months. Uh, how are you going to get it from the bag to whatever you need to get it into? Um, and if everyone's out of gas, where are you going to go anyway? Where's, what's there to do? The yeah. whole thing just screams that I'm just just scared shitless of a zombie apocalypse or a meteor strike or whatever. Some the awful Gerard, uh, what's his name from 300? I just watched some meteor movie with him. Everybody, oh, uh, Gerard Butler. Gerard Butler. Thank you. Yeah, just like how everyone just goes in these utter panics um, when when just dumb stuff like this happens. That my we biggest fear. We're centralizing our buying. We're we're buying everything off of Amazon or eBay or or these services, and you know we need to get back to buying local. We need to now more than ever. We need to be supporting the local merchants, the local people, because that supply chain is real direct. And if we have local farmers and we have local producers, the quality's better. The the access is better, and we're we're building the kind of infrastructure in our personal supply chain that allows us to work. So I, I hate this idea of centralizing all of the production of the goods going to China. I mean, you look at the backup of the chips and what that's doing to the automotive industry. I've got a friend down in Tampa who is waiting, uh, I think he said two months to get the new laptop that he ordered because they don't have the production supply chain in order to produce it for them. But like, Kasten, crazy. But Kasten, I click button, it show up on porch. I, I bring in house. I know, I mean, and that, that'll work until it doesn't. But it's so much fun. It's, <laughs> it's, you mean I actually have to leave? Like we ordered a shipped order last night or Instacart now or whatever. I click four buttons, and then someone shows up two hours later with all my groceries? I mean, it's... I know, it's, like, it, it's convenient, but it's that convenience that's going to end up killing us because everything's central. When that supply chain breaks, society breaks. You know what? There, that's going to be the title of uh, the episode, Randy. When a supply chain supply breaks. Chain breaks. Inside, I'm going to put that on a T-shirt, actually. <laughs> it's like when uh, Brad Hu said, you know, venture capital is not the end game. It became part of the outro. I think this is a – that's one of those. Um, switching uh, gears real quick, uh, how much uh, of your house did you uh, refinance to buy Dogecoin? I'm just curious. Who, me? Yeah. Oh, I don't touch. I have never touched any cryptocurrency. See, now, the, it, so I, the reason I bring it up is it, my one of my favorite stories of the week, uh, Goldman Sachs, managing director, like one of the big shots, um, he quit after he made like eight figures on Dogecoin. Yeah. And he just flat out said, I'm done. He was at the bank for 14 years, apparently, according to his LinkedIn profile. And, you know, if you don't know what Dogecoin is, if you're living, living under a rock, it's, it's, it's a meme, the Doge, you know, dog. And uh, this was a joke meme. And the, the thing with this one was it was open. So, like, Bitcoin is a, has a finite amount. This one's completely open. And, uh, 
you know, Elon Musk tweets about it, and all of a sudden it goes from 0.003 cents to like, what is it now? 65 cents? I didn't check it today. Because um, I keep doing the math and I keep getting mad at myself. It's usually <laughs> crap like this. I'll throw a grand at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Iraqi dinar crap, you know, stupid crap like that. But I always miss the good ones and get by the dumb ones. I just lost too much money too many times investing in things I didn't understand. And yeah, I understand the concept of cryptocurrency, but I can't see where it's going. Um, I, I've just seen too much bad, unexpected stuff happen to, to roll my dice like that. Well, the joke uh, always was, personal. hey, Bitcoin's trading for $500. I mean, 5000 I mean, 50000 I mean, 2000 I mean, because the way it shakes. But now it's almost like it's steady. Was it fifty seven thousand uh, dollars this week? Yeah, uh, it's currently forty eight four eight though. It 40, plummeted. I don't know. I don't know if it's a plummet considering where it came from. True. And then I think, what was I doing in eleven when it was a dollar? You know, when I knew friends were buying data centers to just to mine, and I'm like, what is this bullshit mining? Like, what are you mining? Is this, you know, is a video game? You know, like I don't, I don't, I zero concept. So now I've been reading about it enough. Watching enough, like I, I followed the guy that started Ethereum. If you haven't followed him, he's an alien. He's not from this earth. Uh, <laughs> and you listen to him speak. And yeah. I watched like four documentaries on him. And like to the fact that he goes to Russia and like gets the audience with, and they're like begging him to set up shop there and to help them with stabilize their currency or their economy. Um, he gets like red carpet everywhere he goes. And I'm looking at this going, is this, we always make fun of cryptos and I know everybody's like, oh, it's all hodgepodge and garbage. But is it, is it the music, in, is it what Napster was with the music industry and then everything kind of, that kind of opened up everyone's eyes? Um, is this the Napster to currency? I'm just, I, you know, that's just what I kind of came up with. Like in 20 years, are we going to see everything uh, currency decentralized? And I can't see why it wouldn't be at this point in my life. Well, the big bankers might have something to do with that. And that's been one of my cautions is that with the stroke of an executive order or uh, the Federal Reserve making some kind of uh, declaration, it all goes to zero. Well, and that's the thing, like China's in, but then they don't want to be because it screws up the their their currency. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you almost it's almost like, do you want to be Metallica or do you want to be Weird Al? Right. Metallica's like, no, so people would pirate it anyway. And Weird Al's like, hell, I'll just release it. Hopefully you come to see me in concert. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then Metallica still gets shit over it from the 40-year-old crowd that remembers, <laughs> you know, because, like, you didn't understand the technology, you fuddy-duddies. You know, and here we are, you know. So I'm starting to – I know, don't hold it against me and don't mock me online, but I'm starting to warm up to all of it. Uh, you know, I'm not going to remortgage my house, but, you know, and I'm not buying Dogecoin, at least not now. Um my daughter at 49 cents. My, you got it at 49? No, that's what it currently is. Oh, my daughter, when it was three cents, I asked her, should I buy? And she's screaming at me to buy. I called my broker and I'm like, and he's like, he basically said, he goes, if you buy, I'm quitting you. Um, <laughs> and now I'm looking at it going, you know, if I would have put a grand on three cents, I'd have what, 12 grand, 15 grand, uh, you know. Five years ago or whenever it first came out, I started mining and cash out at like $13. You cashed out $13 of it? Yeah. And in your in your electricity bill from mining, it was probably $40. Uh, it was whatever the fixed plan is that the 
you know, they regulate your prices. So it's the same through the summer and winter. So it didn't. It's been a uh, half an hour and I still haven't gotten through this aquafee, Randy. This is one of the worst. This is the new Malort if you haven't tried no, this. It's stuff. not oh. that bad at all. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. I, I liked it when you brought it over, probably because I was already drunk. Um, yeah, this is a. Uh, so we, we talked about a story, was it a while ago, where the guy didn't have a shirt on and got booted from court? And it, people, I don't, and the other guy that had the cat head that had, I can assure you, Judge, I'm not a cat. Um, this is the new hot one is um did you see this one casting michigan judge boots a man and his name was uh, uh but effer 3000 um actually spelled out phonetically proper as a scream name in a zoom hearing so here's my name on the bottom bob your name casting and his name was <laughs> but effer 3000 and uh got got tossed out of court like i don't understand when you're doing these things in court like what like i put on a jacket like you know i had a court hearing for my stupid rental property i needed uh whatever on and i'm like i put it you know like it's court it's a judge you know i wonder what happens to this guy though have you heard anything randy i have not no it's probably just his regular screen name and just makes you question what kind of sites he's zooming on (laughs) right but like I didn't know Zoom was for bad stuff. If if, if it is, somebody tell me which which sites to go to because I just thought it was for for work and court. I went to a friend's house and they were having a Zoom dance party. People from all over the country joining the Zoom session. There was a guy on the radio this morning. He's a DJ and he said he's been doing – they go, how's work been? He's like, I'm doing Zoom parties, birthday parties. And then people put me in the middle of the room and plug me into the stereo yeah. And I DJ parties uh, virtually. And I'm like, that's kind of weird, but I guess it works, you know, if you're good enough DJ. Well, this one had a DJ, but uh, some of the creepers that were on just watching, I'm like, no, I don't think so. But it was the most amazing sound system that I've ever seen in a home. I was just blown away. Absolutely blown away. Now, there's a there's a quote here. And I don't know if the guy actually said it. I didn't watch the video, but it said, please, Your Honor, you can just call me Butt Effer. Butt Effer 3000 is my father. <laughs> and he had to apologize. And it said, his, oh, he had his, his sister set up the Zoom account. And it was actually the iPhone name he uses to pair with his Bluetooth speaker. It's an inside <laughs> joke. I'm embarrassed. I'm sorry. And like, don't you, like, don't you test this crap? Like, you know, I don't know. Maybe he didn't. Who knows? Um. And if you followed, uh, I'm so I was big into trading cards when I was a kid. Um, I've noticed now that uh, since the pandemic, the whole industry is just basically blown up, and and cards are going for just mega bucks. And the card companies are getting smart; they're putting in like one autograph per like box, and cards are coming out like Zion Williamson's coming out like thirty grand already as a rookie, or eight, you know, between five and thirty grand. But I guess uh, people have gotten so crazy at Target. Target is just deciding uh, we're not going to sell them anymore. I'm uh, like from Pokemon cards, sports cards, all of them. Like there's just grown men like pushing kids down so they can get their cards. Um, it, it blows absolutely blows my mind what people are doing. Like people are going nuts during this thing. Living yeah. in an idiocracy. Are you? Uh, you got any old cards laying around? I do. My fifth grade substitute teacher stole uh, about 250 uh, football cards from me way back when. 
You're not holding a grudge or anything, are you? I am holding a grudge. It's the same She's grudge. Probably I hold 98 years old now, but if I ever meet her, yeah, it's, it's not going to be pretty. It's the same grudge I hold against my mother. Um, <laughs> I cut grass all summer when the '84 Tigers when I was 11 years old, and Coke had a, a separate like a player cans, and I had I ended up then took the entire summer and I got the entire team, and I put them on my window ledge. I was so proud, and my mother took them back for returnables. And to this day, and you can't see them anywhere. It's not like you can find them at flea markets. Like, you know, a couple of Return of the Jedi glasses from Burger King that I broke, that I, I replaced. But, yeah, I'm still holding a grudge. But here's the problem. I got all these great cards. You got to send them out to get – I can't sell them unless I get them uh, certified, right? And it's like 10 bucks a card plus shipping. So now if I got, you know, 10 cards I know are valuable, I'm already $100 in. And then you hope that you can sell the dumb thing. So and I got thousands of cards. It's like I gotta, you know, again, what am I supposed to, you know, you can't sell them. Can you sell them for half a bucket? I gotta look into this. But I, you know, what am I gonna do with it other than you know, I got three daughters, they don't give a shit about that stuff, right? So it looks like Walmart is not going to pull cards. So, but you know, Walmart's better equipped for bad behavior, I think. <laughs> so now, Randy, did you hear the story about you is that are you a geriatric millennial did you read about this oh i i consider myself an elder millennial but geriatric is just crossing the line you fall into that category though right yeah yeah 83 so yeah what 80 to 85 is geriatric what what an a what an awful name b why do they feel like they have to categorize and subcategorize and all that like my, I don't think my daughter, my daughter's 14 and 16. Like, what are they? They're, they're past Gen Z. What is it now? Uh, that's a good question. Um, um, but uh, the early, early millennials have always been kind of in a special place. Like I've heard called, you know, Zennials combination of Gen X and millennial just because kind of different, like didn't have the internet when they were born, but they quickly adapted to it when it came out and there's some things different about the earlier millennials than later millennials well when did you get introduced to tech uh probably i mean we had a computer in my third grade classroom after we finished our assignments we could sign up and use the computer in the classroom and it just went from there we had typing classes in seventh grade on a computer and yeah i had a commodore pet in fifth grade but i mean this is going back to pre-internet yeah we did have uh Regular lab time, I think it was twi- once a week or twice a month in sixth grade. And, you know, I would find some code samples and type them up and watch them run and, and things like that. So that's a, early on. That's why you're being – it's a geriatric thing because you live, lived in a world where you didn't know digital. Right. Well – yeah. what was your first computer? Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, I do. It was an IBM mainframe my freshman year in college, 1978. In your house? No. <laughs> Oh, then you at, at the university. Oh, no! I mean, I'm sitting here going, "I'm a geriatric geriatric." But like <laughs> you're talking about being 11 years old in 1984, I moved to Michigan, and my first day in Michigan, moving from Texas, was Halloween after the '84 World Series. I had graduated college and been two or three years in the workforce, and there you are at 11 years old. God, I'm feeling I shouldn't old. Have told, I shouldn't have told that story, should I have? <laughs> I'm holding a new grudge now. 
So I always no, just call me the geriatric of uh, IT and the D. <laughs> so I don't know why I was. All my friends were Apple. It's funny how when you grow up, we're all thirteen. My friends got Apple two C's or Apple two E's, and I got ended up getting a Commodore sixty four. And uh, my my hobby, my dad got me. He, he wrapped it. It's funny how my dad loved pirating shit. He pirated cable. He pirated games and software. But he, it was called Copy Q. And I had that 1541 disk drive in the Commodore. And he, he thought this thing was like gold that I can copy uh, basically any disk ever. So we would find people that had Commodores, basically spend a whole afternoon, you know, four hours would be like six games maybe. And just, you know, I had a shoebox full of uh, floppies with basically anything you wanted to play. So back but, about yeah. 15 years ago, I was working for a guy who was one of the first 20 employees of, of Apple Computer. And we're sitting first around. Twenty, you said. I'm sorry. You said first twenty. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. This guy's a rock star. So we're we're sitting around, and I'm telling a story that I had always told. You know, bragging about my first uh, personal computer, which was an Apple II, which you loaded the OS and all the games from a cassette drive. I mean, this is before eight. Well, let's see. Eight track tapes were before cassettes, I guess. But way, way, way back. So I'm telling the story and, you know, hanging around with a, a bunch of millennials because it was a, a tech company. And we're sitting there. I go through the whole story. and goes, yeah, I was the project manager for that. Or I was the product manager for that. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Not impressing anybody at this table. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And that was the thing. I remember my first was a Commodore, my first IBM clone. I got from Rightway Computers on 13 and Van Dyke. Um, and, and it was, I, I swear, I think it was $2,100, if I'm not mistaken. And I mean, this is, you know, wow. I'm, I'm 14, 15. You know, and I think uh, the guy tried to sell, he sold my dad a 9,600 bought modem instead of a, 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 I think, what was it, 15, 6 was the fastest at the time. And I was so mad I didn't get that extra K. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> So I looked it up. You load a lot of Milans to get a $2,100 computer. I swear, yeah. Generation after Generation Z Mm -hmm. is Generation Alpha, starting in the early 2010s. I hope they stop with this crap. I mean, every generation's got a name, so. I know. Do they, though? Not the one before. Is it Gen X, then Boomers? No, because there's a whole generation between that. Uh, Boomers were, yeah. No, because my cousin was born in 63. He's nothing. Late. my dad's a boomer. End of the boomers. Yeah. I'm a boomer. Before the boomers were the silent generation. They weren't quiet. <laughs> so what's your thoughts? I know there's a whole bunch of crap with Gates going around with the divorce and Epstein and all that, but he gets ousted from the board apparently because he's got all these extramarital affairs going on. Now – I don't know, man. You start Microsoft in your garage with a couple buddies. I know he got a little bit of help, and you know he didn't boots. You know, um, with IBM, I think his mom was on on the board of IBM or something. But like, if you started the damn company, like I always wondered how they ousted Jobs out of Apple. Like, no, it's mine. So that's when companies go public like that. Like, um, can you just oust Gates? Like, is or is he just past the point of even being relevant anymore? Like, I just thought when I read stories like that, I'm always just mind blown that that they can do crap like that. That is not a provision in when they went public, but I guess there is. Well, here's my take. There's more to come to this story. 
You think and the Epstein I, I hope, hope, hope for his sake that it doesn't involve more Epstein revelations. Yeah, and that's what I'm, you know, they're trying to talk about the affairs to kind of deviate from that. Um, you know, and then his wife left him and you know, I always thought she was, you know, not that they, no no one's got the perfect marriage, but it always seemed on the surface that, you know, she was always very involved and you know, God knows if they even talk to each other anymore, you know what I mean? I don't, you know, I don't hang out with them. Um but yeah, I'm just uh, just get oust, like again when you oust somebody that started a company from the ground, it's just kind of weird to me. They're, you generally don't do it for cheating, <laughs> right? No, exactly. Yeah. Oh, you had an affair. Oh, we got to get rid of them. What? Um, I mean, honest to God, though, hats off to Microsoft for kind of reinventing their company. I thought we all thought they were going to die down and and go bye bye. Um, this whole subscription based office and giving away free. Once they gave the free OS away, I'm like, what the hell are these guys doing? Yeah. Um, apparently they didn't know what they're doing and, and you know, go figure now, um, Microsoft defender is actually viable. Like I'm actually telling clients to, to you know, like you keep using it. Um, yeah, and stop using third parties even sometimes. Yeah. I, I'm kind of shocked because usually that was always the joke. Do you want to update defender? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And now it's like, um, that's part of my stack, you know? Yeah. Um, are you still telling people it's part of the stack too, Caston, when you're talking or what, uh, you know, I'm I'm really not advising on that kind of thing anymore, so because I'm so I, IoT and medical device. But I don't have a problem. Everything I've read is like, you know, what Defender's as good as anything out there, and they've got the resources to do it. So why yeah, not? I mean, they're just making it closer and closer to just being embedded into the OS. I think it's just the sales part. It's like, wait, what? Really? Who? Yeah. Like, huh? It, you know, and by the way, it's free, just like your OS. Like, huh? You know. But yeah, and now uh, Microsoft Teams is free. For so is Teams, are, is Teams trying to be like Slack? Because I'll be honest, I love Teams. I think Teams is one of the best yeah. things teams, I've ever utilized. Teams, Slack, Discord, I think are the big three. You know, yeah, I mean, roles. Teams has, uh, I was using Planner as a Kanban board for projects, all mm-hmm. the collab stuff. Like it's it's crazy intuitive. I'm not, you know, I'm not selling it right now. I'm just saying, Um it's it's honestly probably the best tool I've ever used in terms yeah. of. Uh, I like it. I've used all three of those, two of them professionally, and I like Teams over Slack for sure. And they have a great gift collection. Thank you for Microsoft for allowing that. <laughs> I like, speak in gift during the day at work. I wish I could, but my company's IT has it disabled. That they do not. Yeah, that's hot garbage. Tell them uh-huh. I. Okay. Tell them, I'm gonna call them and tell them they're dumb. <laughs> I'm gonna send a LinkedIn right now to your CIO going, turn gifts on team. Do it. Do it. Wrong with you. <laughs> um so I mean, Casting, you're working on ten thousand things. Um, not all at once, but you, you were you were dropping some stuff at breakfast the other day that I had I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying. And usually me and you when we talk, I, I pretty much pick up what you're putting down. And and with this whole medical device thing. I guess talk to me about what, what what you got your hands into these days, and uh, we got a couple other things to talk about too. But I want to start it. I wanted to start there. Well, um, I, I've started working with a company with called MedSec, and the big attraction to that um, is they've got some world class uh, white hat hackers on the medical device side of things, doing just awesome stuff with the medical device manufacturers. Um, you know, all of the big boys and, and a lot of the, the, uh, the ones that you've heard of, you know, 
I almost mentioned some names I shouldn't mention. But um, uh, the really exciting part is that about a year and a half, two years ago, Kevin McDonald joined them. And Kevin McDonald is an absolute rock star. He uh, started and ran Mayo Clinic's medical device security program for six years. And so I'm doing a, a monthly uh, interview series with him about how to grow, how to build, how to bootstrap, how to improve and build the maturity of a medical device security program. Because it's one of those things where, like IoT security, uh, you know, it's the redheaded uh, bastard stepchild. Nobody wants to own it. You know, everybody's like, yeah, we need it, but not me. That's yours. And so these silos crop up because in IT, there's clear delineation of where um, where the, the lines are drawn and we've been at it for so long. IT is an entity of it in and of itself. But now with security for medical devices on IoT, you've got the operations people. So it's the industrial control systems that need to be accessed by people in the office. But uh, there's all these gray areas of who does what. And then you've got the security operations center that uh, has all its processes built around uh, IT security. And then you get this IoT device that can't be upgraded because it's in an unsupported version of, of Microsoft or it's got firmware that's no longer supported by the vendor and they haven't upgraded it because it sits over in the corner and uh, runs a, a lathe or something and it's been running forever, but it's still network connected. So it's who does that, who fixes it, who touches it, how do you segment that part of the network off? And so there's just a ton and ton of, of moving parts. And so uh, a couple of years ago, I developed a workshop for uh, companies to get all of those different silos in the organization together uh, into one room and figure out who does what, what's important. And then you've got all of the risk and all of the compliance because there was an executive order this week um, uh, that was signed that radically transforms how medical devices are going to be secured and how information is going to be shared about what's contained in a medical device. So there's just a whole lot of movement there. And uh, working with Kevin is just, he's a, it, he's a rock star. I mean, uh, he's real laid back from Rochester, Minnesota. He's worked with some of the most brilliant physicians and researchers at Mayo Clinic for years and years and years. And so it's just an opportunity that I can't turn down to, to work with them. So that's probably 85, 90% of my time. I mean, Interworks is still an uh, ongoing viable entity. Uh, didn't close that, but uh, there's just so much to do in the areas of IoT and medical devices. And, so uh, in the early stages of that, we, we always talked about, oh, hackers can hit pacemakers and you know, then ransomware, your, your, your grandma, you know, um, we, we don't hear We don't hear those stories because they're probably not public, but is, have they gotten that far where they're, where they're taking over hospital devices? You know, things like pacemakers? The, the thing that, that I've said is that, you know, it only requires a sociopath to uh, go out and take all the money from a, a grandmother or grandfather and destroy their lives. But, to go to that next level of endangering people's lives 
is a different level of, of evil. And so uh, I've always been cautious about that, but you've got like Colonial Pipeline. I mean, it's those unintended consequences. There was a, an incident in Germany last year where a woman died because they had to close the hospital because the medical devices and the servers had all been shut down. And so they shut down receiving new patients and uh, she died in transport to an alternate hospital. So yeah, bad things can happen. Are there malicious hackers out there doing it? Uh, you know, that, like I said, that's a different level of evil, but the unintended consequences of a hacker hacking and shutting down something, they didn't realize it was a medical device or they shut down a network segment that the network devices are on, something like that. Uh, you have to quantify the risk and you have to take the appropriate action. And particularly with hospitals right now, you know, because of what we've been through, uh, the funding for hospitals is in a really, really bad way. But I'm seeing a lot of movement because they are concerned. Uh, there is a family of uh, cancer uh, machines that uh, uh, were put on alert because uh, vulnerability came out about them. And uh, there had to be some rapid response in order to, to fix that. The FDA uh, is doing remarkable things uh, and the industry as a whole is really bonding together to, to work together, raise all of the ships in the harbor, if you will. So it's just a great place to be uh, in, in seeing the kind of collaboration that's going on uh, at the state level here in Michigan, at the national level. I did a, a podcast in the the thing that you were glazing over last week, uh, Bob, was the whole concept of a of an S-bomb, which is a software or a system bill of materials. And that's one of the things that, that we're working on. And I did a, a panel. That's all it was. Uh... That's what it was. <laughs> but I'm uh, thinking it was some new attack. You know, uh... No, no. But, but the great thing about that is, is that uh, with this executive order, all of the medical device manufacturers are going to be required within nine months to disclose all of the subcomponents, all of the pieces of software that are in there. And then, uh, you know, MedSec is building the system that will take and help organize uh, all of those S-bombs, those bill of materials, so that you can say, okay, uh, there's a vulnerability in this version of an Apache uh, web server. And there are a lot of medical devices, not a lot, but there are a number of high-end medical devices that use that. Well, you punch the button, the alert comes in that says there's a vulnerability in that, and you can instantaneously say, okay, these are the devices that need to be remediated uh, because they have that subcomponent in, in their bill of materials. So, I mean, hospitals seem to me that they would have a better head start than, let's say, the Colonial Pipeline, just because of HIPAA and data security's kind of been entrenched with them since kind of since I've been in IT, um, you know, 20 plus years. Does that matter in this whole in this whole game with the with the medical device and the IoT stuff that they have a better head start, or is there still just tons of gaps? There's a number of factors. the The head start helps a little bit, uh, but uh, one of the things is is that you can't take you can take a medical device down because you've got preventative maintenance. 
some of these devices in, elect, in, in a, a pipeline, as an example, they may have been running for 20 years. And you can't take down those devices because they're designed to run. They can't be upgraded. Now we've attached them to the network through a serial port, so they're accessible. Uh, that's the real problem was that uh, in a constrained organization that's geographically uh, uh, small, like an, even a, a hospital campus, that's a lot different than having uh, five or six sensors or monitoring devices every two miles in a 2,600-mile pipeline. It's two different animals that have different levels of risk, different levels of support, different levels of devices that have been out there. And that's, uh, you know, I haven't, you know, I have a few industrial clients and the, the common theme is I, <laughs> I have this AS400 in that back closet. I don't want to touch it because it runs and it works. Yep. I don't know what to do with it, though. Can I do anything with it? We're like, I don't know. You know, we can put it in the cloud, but, you know, uh, you know, it's working. You know, it's on a 10 meg hub and it's got dust all over it, you know. And you know what? That's what you find. That's what I love about nurses. That's what I love about construction people. It's what I love about the people who work on the pipelines. It's about get it done. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. There is some wisdom in that until you connect it to the Internet. Then all the games have changed. Right. See, that was always the difference between uh, Dave and I. Dave was the tinkerer. He would break things, you know, because he was tinkering me. If it works, I'm like, don't touch it. No, no, no. It works. Yep. <laughs> um, so shifting gears a little bit, and you've been working. So you said 85% you're working on this. you got 15% left. Um, we were talking about some cool stuff going on with uh, schools yep. um, about a technology that you're kind of uh, pioneering or working with a, with, a, with a partner. But, yeah, you know, talk to me about that a little bit. Yeah, we're, we're putting together a consortium of, of three companies working with school districts. Uh, uh, in the latest stimulus funding, some money became available, uh, $4 billion for Michigan schools to help with what's called the homework gap. And the homework gap is uh, essentially the underserved in rural and urban communities in particular. But these funds are being made to uh, available to the schools to improve that homework gap. And so some of that is with instruction and instruction development. Uh, some of it is with technology. And so we're working with schools uh, to help them get the funding and then build out uh, a private LTE network for those schools. So the whole concept is, uh, hackers can't get at an LTE network like they can the internet. So you're building out your homework infrastructure and your your virtual classroom uh, across an entire school district. Uh, and you know that helps the kids, it helps the schools, and uh, it's a great use of that those stimulus funds. So uh, I've got a piece in that from the security standpoint advising there, but uh, we've got some people, uh, one of the companies, RF Connect out of Livonia, uh, great company. They've been doing private LTE networks for hospitals. In fact, they did a private LTE 5G network uh, for the entire campus of Notre Dame. They've been doing this for 10 years, so they know it inside and out. And when the, the funds started getting released, they were all over it. So, 
Yeah, and it's funny. After the, I met with you, I met with another company that's introducing a new technology. Um, I, I don't know how to introduce it fast enough, but basically it's sensors um, that have smell and sound uh, sensing capability. You're putting in bathrooms, hallways, uh, warehouses that can detect uh, marijuana, can detect vaping, can detect cigarette smoke um, from a smell perspective, but it also has a uh, sound anomaly detection. So uh, gunshots, fights, um, things that are out of the out of the norm. I'm like, do you, uh, do you avoid eating before you demo this, Bob? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Knew it yeah, was coming. I knew it was coming. Not on Taco Tuesday. It's not on Taco Tuesday. Um, but just the fact that I'm like, first thing I looked at him is like, why doesn't every school in the state have this? And he's like, that's why I'm talking to you about it. Um, but it just seems to me like a no-brainer, unless it's $14 billion to launch this thing. Um, it seems like a very cool technology that would, you know, my daughter's in middle school. She goes, I can't even go to the bathroom during classes because, like, got 40 girls and they're vaping. I'm like, you know, wow. why? You know, for one. And then two, it's like, well, just go to the damn bathroom. You know, what are you going to do? Um, so I, I know this is a problem in school districts. I can't imagine, what, you know, in some areas versus others. But, um, yeah, it's cool seeing stuff like this coming out. I'm going to be waking up in the middle of the night going, oh, there's an interesting use case for that. Right. I mean, wow. Well, that's what we started talking then. Okay. How do you differentiate the football team cheering a win versus four guys beating the shit out of another guy? You know what I mean? And he's well, he goes, sometimes you're going to have false positives, you know, just like anything. And I'm like, yeah, you know, all right, it's fair. At least I'm checking in on it or, you know, someone's there, you know, right. Rings the alarm. And he's like, nah, you know, um, All right, I, I got to find out more about this, Bob, because there's I've got a million questions about that. Well, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll connect it, connect it. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll introduce you guys, and you know we'll we'll figure it out. Cool. So I know you're not a big TV guy. I just wanted to talk about what's been what you've been watching. Uh, I know you're more of a book guy, but uh, you've been watching any good sci-fi stuff? Any uh, shows lately? No, I I've become addicted to this comedy channel called Drybar. It's it's awesome. And I, I can watch 20 minutes and be done with it. So, you know, 2020 was the best year of my life. And I'm not kidding about that. Um, uh, I'm reading a lot more. And because uh, last July 4th, I, I declared uh, my independence from social media and uh, really cut back my, my uh, phone time and my mobile device time and my concentrations back. I had gotten to a point where I couldn't read two sentences uh, in a book without losing track of where I was and being off in some la-la land. So now I'm reading two chapters and it's like just my brain's back. As I'm the guy that you know can't get through one sentence in a book and binge watches and plays Call of Duty all the time, I, uh, yeah, I'm kind of uh, envious uh, slightly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it takes a lot of discipline, and I've fallen back uh, way too much lately. But, man, just I can wake up, and uh, I've got this one website that I read every morning. Uh, and it's a bit of a spiritual renewal. It's a bit of uh, intellectually challenging. And uh, uh, life is good, man. Connie, it's great. Life it's is funny, great. all the uh, all the downtime I had, you'd think I would have, like, learned a language or something. But no, I just look, got really good at sniping in Call of Duty. Like, that, that's my that's my <laughs> skill I gained. And it's like, where, I can't take that anywhere, you know? I got my I got my kill-death ratio over one. So, like, I made it, man. 
I, um, I'm feeling like the geriatric geriatric again because <laughs> my guilty pleasure on on computer games is solitaire. <laughs> oh, see, I still play. Uh, my daughter trashes on me because she'll come down here and on the laptop that I'm using right now to do this. I have Age of Em. My only games on here: are Diablo two and Age of Empires, which I was playing when I was you know 22, um, and I still play them. I still love them, and uh, I, I can't get enough of them. So yeah, those. I'll be building my my city in the Age of Empires. Like, really, Dad? And I'm like, don't you know? Don't mock me. I'll make you. I'll give. You, I'll take your Xbox and give you an Atari 2600. You mock me again. Send um, her over here because it was my senior year. I was going to the uh, the bar in college and uh, playing the original Pac-Man. See, I need to get the I need to get the tabletop. There's a couple of them that make them cheap that you can get the bar table. Uh, Miss Pac-Man Galaga, yeah. regular Pac-Man. Yep. For like four or five hundred dollars. So I'm like, oh, I need to have that in my house. And my wife's like, You're not putting it up here. I'm like, please. You know. So hey, my son built one for a, from a kit and yeah. even did the woodwork on it. And oh wow. It was like seventy-five bucks for the whole thing. Oh geez. Well, yeah. Bob, did you uh did you finish Invincible? I started I watched two more episodes. Um, I still got like four more left. It's really good. And I, got, I heard that was two good. more seasons. Two more seasons. Oh my god! Yeah, so I started. I literally started watching again on Sunday, trying to catch up on it. I was scatterbrained again, so I couldn't like focus on it. So I stopped because I didn't want to go too far without watching. Right. Um, yeah, I had oh. never heard of it until you showed me that first episode, and then I kept watching as it coming out. It's super well done. Yeah. Are you? Uh, I'm looking forward to Kevin Smith doing He Man in yeah. anime. Yeah, I grew up um, with He Man, so that'll be that'll be fun. Oh, as did I. Like. I'm I'm just nervous about like making a crappy movie or like a Thundercats movie. Just just leave yeah. it alone. But if it's anime and if it's Kevin Smith, I'm kind of I kind of I kind of think it'll be fine. Um, that, what else? That's I, I'm boring to hang out with. No, <laughs> you're great to have breakfast with. Yeah, breakfast is different. And you're great to have drinks with. You know, just or you know, we just can't talk about TV and movies and stuff. Yeah, yeah. What about TV in general? Uh, Warner Media merging with Discovery. I don't like the well, whole AT and T part. Well, AT and T is kind of getting rid of Warner Media directly. They're still going to own what seventy percent of the new company, but it won't be directly AT and T anymore. I always hated the service provider owning the content yeah. companies because then they give the the whole net neutrality priority. You know. Um, Zero rating and yeah, yeah, right. Manipulating and I don't. I'm not a fan at all. Um, if I never use AT and T product again for the rest of my life, but it's like you know, you, what are you gonna say? I'm banning Warner, and then you realize like three quarters of the crap you watch is you know, yeah, you can't, you can't ban anything anymore. Yeah, HBO, TBS, TNT, some sports stuff. I don't even know everything they own. Yeah, did I talk about the? Um, oh my God, what's the name of it? It's the uh, Tom Clancy novel, uh, Michael B. Jordan movie on Amazon Prime. No. Was phenomenal. I haven't seen a good movie like that in a very, very long time. It was very well done. The story's been told 10,000 times, um, but Clancy always does has really cool spins and um, introduced a couple characters from other movies. Like, hey, I'm, you know, uh, Greer is my uncle, like that kind of stuff. Like, oh, from, uh, you know, uh, whatever, uh, from... Clear to present danger. Is that uh, without remorse? Is that the way I believe about? it's without remorse. Yeah. Okay. I, I think did Caston uh, hang up on us and not say goodbye? 
No, my my uh, uh, my timer on my iPhone went off and said, "Oh, you've run out of time. It's ten o'clock, so I got to shut you down." <laughs> Whoops! I, I well, it's well, Betty by time. <laughs> no, with that being said, I guess Apple knows best. Um, we will cut you loose. Uh, if you want to catch up with Caston, you can catch him on uh, LinkedIn sparingly at Caston Thomas. That's with a C. Um, Interworks Technologies. The Caston, I can't thank you enough for the time and the insight. You're always uh, great to talk to. I know you we didn't know, get into you, the. Uh, you guys were my, you and Dave were my start in uh, media. And, you know, I did the extended internet advisor, and now I'm doing corporate podcasting and uh, video interviews that are going around the world. And, you know, we, we posted the first one with Kevin uh, McDonald, and in under two weeks, we had 400 people sign up. And all we wow. did was publish it on LinkedIn and said, hey, we're doing this. So, you know, it's amazing what happens when you've got good content and uh, uh, practice delivery. Because if you ever, if anybody ever questions whether they should go into podcasting or, or do something like this, they just need to go back and listen to my first interview with you guys. That's what we tell everybody. Your, your first 10 episodes are going to suck. Um, <laughs> And my that's what my I was, first I was, five did, but I learned I was, from the masters. And I was super nervous about this one because I always had a crutch. If I didn't have anything to say, I always gave that a look. And Dave always knew to pick up, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't, you know, this was, I was, uh, I'm still I'm kind of, uh, the anxiety sweats have been going on this whole episode because I just, you know, trying to get through it. But, uh, you know, that's why it was, uh, it was great to have you on. Uh, it helped me a ton having you and Randy uh, getting through this. So I appreciate it. You did great, Bob. I mean, uh uh, it's a change, but you're up for it. And uh, we've been through a lot of change this year. And, Indeed. Uh, uh, a lot of learning, and I'm better for it. I am i won't say I'm thankful for what's happened, but uh, uh, keeping your, your chin up and doing the right thing, man, it, it goes far in, in living life to the fullest. I got no choice, man. Like, you know how it is. Yep. What are you supposed to do? You got to yeah, you know, you you keep on trucking. Yeah, you to get through college. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, hey, we're going to wrap things up for this episode 395 of the IT and the D Show. Uh, I'd like to thank Cass and Thomas for spending time with us, being a co-host and a guest today. I appreciate it. Uh, on behalf of uh, Bob and uh, Randy, do us all a favor. Drink up your drinks. Get your phone numbers. You don't got to go home. You just got to get the hell out of here. We'll see you next week. Drive careful. Beat it. <laughs>